1: Hi, this is the 13th episode of the designfootball.com podcast. My name's Jay. I'm the resident blogger on designfootball.com. I've actually written some blogs recently, so uh, read those. I usually am uh, a blogger in name only, not in practice, but I have actually written some now. Uh, this week, I'm going to be speaking to John Devlin again. Uh, consecutive Weeks, John Devlin. Hi, John. How are you?
2: Hello, Jay. I'm good, thanks. And you? You well?
1: Yeah, I'm okay. Uh, it, I know it's just honor after honor uh, for you coming on this podcast, but this the, you're the first guest to come on two weeks running. That, really? that must I, be special.
2: Do I get some sort of certificate or something for that?
1: Um, we uh, you you you're probably the best person to make that certificate. <laughs> so, <laughs> as I a graphic designer, I'll leave that to you. Thank you. <laughs> I send you the bill. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, invoice me. Um, the what we are going to talk about today is uh, kit books, and particularly your books, John. So we talk about you as being a, a kit geek and a football kit expert, but the this is based around your having written uh, the True Colors books. So, mm, okay. how did these? Oh, oh, oh sorry, you're gonna dispute that immediately. No, 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 but... no, no. Oh, right.
2: <laughs> I realised how that came across. No, it, no, that's fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's that's why I would uh, listen. No, I I would listen to everything you say because I know you know everything about kits. But you, there is spaces for that as well um, in black and white and all the other colours you use in the kit books. So, tell us a little bit about the kit books, how they came about, why you did them
2: goodness well it's a story that it goes way way back to when I was about seven or eight I won't I won't go through every detail since then but there was a little book that came out at the time there was a series of books called the observer book of whatever subject little white books about a six in size I don't know if you've ever seen them and there was one the observer book of football and I hired it out the library one day when I was a, a little lad and in the middle there a few color plates and it had simple graphics of all the shirt colors and I just thought this was brilliant, and I was poring over these pages, and you know I was really intrigued by the colours, the designs, everything else, um, and that really sparked something in me. And for, ever since then, I was I started drawing football kits. I never designed my own, but I just kept drawing them. So the years went on, and you know as I got grew, grew older, I was drawing them with felt tips, and and uh, sponsorship came out and pinstripes, and it was really hard to draw them with felt tips, as you can imagine, with all that detail. Um, and it, I carried on doing it. I carried on doing it into my 20s when I probably, I probably should have stopped. Um, and eventually I ended up going back to college when I was 28 to study for a degree in graphic design. And as part of learning the software uh, Illustrator, which is a vector drawing software, I thought, I'm going to dig out my old kit project again and just just start drawing kits and that way I can get to learn how the software works. From then on, I thought, hang on a minute, and all the, the kind of passion and the love for the subject came back. I dug out all my old catalogues and magazines and cuttings that I'd kept over the years, over the decades, really, and made it a final part of my final degree project at college. So what I aimed to do was illustrate as many kits as I could from the uh, the kind of Premier League sides at the time and, and, and loads of others as well. So I did lots of work into it and I kind of put it into historical context and talked about the designs and what sponsorship meant and identity, you know, really touched on the subjects that you have to do at degree level. Um, and from then on, I thought to myself, right, there's a book in this. There's a book in this. And every year, I'd, I'd, pre-season, I'd go out to the Waterstones or whatever and look for a copy of a, hmm. a kit book, and there was never one. And, and eventually it dawned on me, you know, one of those kind of like life-changing moments, and I thought, I've got to be the one to do it. And my dream that I'd had this, I've always wanted to see this book since I was a little boy, and I realized it was down to me to do it. It sounds a bit corny, but that is what happened and that was it. I just sort of plowed plowed on um and and just did all I could to make it happen
1: yeah the uh it sounds very similar to the to the reasons why this podcast exists um because that's just what I was doing. I was looking for a podcast that, that talked regularly oh, okay. about football kits and didn't exist. And I thought, mm, I'm probably the worst person to actually do something like this. But no one else has done it, so I'm going to have to do it. <laughs> and here we are. I'm proving it, that point now. It, uh, was funny
2: though. it was funny, though, Jay, because I used to... Um, I had a few bit of work published in the West Ham programme. When I left college, I kind of wrote to a lot of clubs and said, I was doing all these football kit drawings. Would you like to use them? And um, got some work in the West Ham programme. And I remember going to Waterstones one day and there was a book on the shelf in the new book section called Club Colours. And I thought, oh no.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's that's interesting. I don't I don't know if that was your reasoning. But Club Colours, I remember it and I remember it being written by Bob Bickerton. But I think of it as being an approximation of what each team sort of wears each season. Yeah. Mm. Um, now with yours it's like you've said that and said actually well that's that's fine but this one is the true colors it was that the thinking <laughs> for the title <laughs> just was. to annoy him even more
2: <laughs> well, no it was um no not not to that but it was connected with that i mean i thought long and hard over the title and i, I always thought it would be a good a good brand if you like and it came from showing your true colors And the idea at the time that there's always criticism of teams not wearing the colours they should wear and, you know, the identity of the clubs and stuff like that. And, of course, trying to make it an accurate representation of colours. So the name seemed to fit on many levels, which is always exciting as a designer. You always get excited when you realise that something works on on lots of different levels, you know.
1: Yeah. So how did you develop the, the illustration style that you were going to use for the books?
2: Well... Starting it off at college, learning the software, it was originally very scratchy. I really wanted it to look quite sketchy. So I had quite a, um, it was a little bit of a contrived look, if you like, and I had it quite rough and ready. And it was okay, and I actually did a couple of little mock-up books of single single teams that I made at college, so I did bookbinding at college as well, and I made a, a Man United one, and I actually bought a shirt off eBay and used the fabric to bind it like a cloth cover, you know. So it's quite... I was really pushing what we could do with this.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: But um, I came across a style of illustration in a catalogue, I think it was, and I really liked the simplicity of that and some of the styling they used. So I I kind of took influence from that. I didn't rip it off, but I borrowed the way that they did things, adapted it, and um, went on from there. And then the style then became a lot neater. I put a black key line around the shirts as well because that helped kind of keep everything in, if you know what I mean. It, quite, it contained it all. Um, originally, the shorts and shirts were, were separate, and I didn't do socks. And then someone made a comment about doing socks as well. So, right, okay. And I wanted to be a cohesive illustration. So rather than having three separate elements, I wanted them to be as a whole. And that's where the idea came to kind of overlay them. And I think that came from an ad in a magazine. And they had the, they had the shorts overlaying the shirt in that style, and I thought, okay, that's a good way of doing that. It means you lose a little bit of the detail in the corners, but it became a distinctive style that hopefully was known to be mine. If you, if you see where I'm coming from on that, so the, the the illustration style definitely developed over over a couple of years, really.
1: Yeah, uh, what I like about it is it's it's neither flat nor so last time we spoke you talked about the way nike present the new shirts that it's like like a a balloon has been blown up inside them yeah yeah this this invisible man thing but that's yours is sort of halfway in between the two is it sort of the shirt laid flat or or filled or, or was that is that not what it was intended no that
2: is exactly what it was intended to be it's funny it's um because I've—it's only really since the um, I started doing more work on my website and illustrating for programs and other books that the the textured, the textured kind of um, rolls of fabric that idea came in. Originally in the book itself, they were just flat colour, but that's exactly what it was. I described it as being a cross between the shirt being laid out flat on a table, and the shirt being worn. Mm. If you lay. As, as I'm sure you know, if you lay many shirts out flat on the floor on the table, they don't look aesthetically pleasing. And they don't look the same as when a player wears them. Because, you know, just the cut of them, the sponsors can often look quite small, can't they, you know? Mm-hmm. And I you realised the shirt needed to sim- symbolically represent what the kit looked like, rather than being an exact measurement. You know, the Adidas logo is exactly... That proportion of the width of the shirt and all that kind of stuff. So it really was a exactly as you said, a cross between being worn and lying flat.
1: Yeah, the, the, I think there's a consistency across all your illustrations of sort of the cut of the shirt, and it it's, mm. it's it is a compromise, isn't it? So it's if yeah. there was a, a very tight shirt, then it's probably going to look baggier than that. If there's all the baggy 90s shirts, it's going to look tighter fitter than that. Would that be fair?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the things that I wouldn't say I struggled with, but I agonise over. Um, I made a decision once I'd got the publishing deal, um, or certainly once that agency Black had shown an interest in publishing the book, I made a decision then that the shorts, everything was going to be the same size. So we couldn't, get across the the, the concept of the, the tight shorts of the 70s and 80s and the baggy shorts of the early 90s and that was always a always a, a sadness for me in a way but something had to give I couldn't it couldn't do everything um the I mean, one guy who does is the uh, guy behind switch image project I mean his his work I absolutely love it just you know makes me salivate it's that good but I don't think I could have done that in the true colors um, format if
1: you like yeah um yeah but it's a guy called mm. Asme, and yeah, some of the stuff is—I mean, it's incredible. It's it's comprehensive oh. as well. There's so it's much fantastic. stuff on there. Yeah, it's and fantastic. It, he he does uh, some great stuff, but I think the way you do it, it's—and I would I would probably have a ordinarily I would have a problem with that because it, the cut of of different kits and the evolution of different cuts over the last thirty years, let's say. Is um is really important to me, so I'm mm. I'm really interested in that. But what you're doing is an illustration; it's a depiction of the idea of what the kit looks like, and like you say, it's it's true colours. So it it's it's what colours the team is wearing that season, and the colours are the kit design, but maybe not the cut, and it's it's mm. not necessarily a a fashion thing to that extent. It's it's an illustration of. Of what they're actually wearing. Does that make sense?
2: No, that's that's exactly right. It isn't a, it's and it's deliberately not a photographic or a. It's not like a um the football manager graphics when they came out the shirt graphics. It's not like that. It's definitely more of an iconic representation of what the shirt should look like. It quite sounds a bit pretentious, but I'm sure you know where I'm where I'm coming from. But it's um that's that's very much the idea behind it i mean i did look i looked at loads of different layouts <clears throat> loads of different ideas especially when the publishers really got involved and the layout the piles of paper i've still got of different layouts and different formats much looser than what the final one turned out but we even had full figures at one point so do i do a full figure illustration as well as the shirt and there's a few of them on my website there's a man united series where i've tried to illustrate from victorian times how the fit of the shirt and the shorts changed because i really like to get across that kind of fashion model um representation of the the cut as well because that is important
1: yeah, the the other thing is that the books aren't just picture books. There's so much research and and writing about each. Show. So if there is a significant change in cut, then that's generally mentioned. I hope in, so. Yeah, in the little bit of blurb that goes with each with each design, which is great. Um, I think. I mean, your books are. Are sort of on the desk of every kit geek and, and every probably most kit, football kit designers. I would have thought you're probably aware of that as well, aren't you?
2: Yeah, I hear I have heard over the years a lot of people have said that, and I know when um, uh, Nike have often used them when they've been pitching to you uh, certainly for Manchester United at the time. That was a story I heard that they'd go in and photocopy my scanning my books and do them as mood boards and stuff like that, which is hard. it's just so flattering to hear that. That was such a buzz for me, you know.
1: Yeah, and and it's it's great that they are used as a, a reference book like that, but I I think there's value in in reading both of the books as sort of like a novel from beginning to end, <laughs> which uh, that yeah I I think it's only probably Kit Geese who are going to be, be able to manage to do that, but it's like if you read because there's so many parallels with each team, yeah, there'll be parallels, but there'll be little elements that are not quite the same so it's a little bit like the last two Bourne films so (laughs) they they run concurrently but they're different stories so you you get to the end of the third one and then you start the fourth one you're back to the beginning of the third one again so it's a little bit like that reading each each let's call them chapters of your (laughs) books and you can you can see the you can see where they correlate but also where yeah. something really weird has happened, and, and and a team has maybe waited a couple of seasons before using the template that another team had, or or a high-profile client had a template earlier than another team. So it's it is yeah. fascinating like that.
2: Well, I think I mean that's what I loved about how they turned out in the end was that there's lots of different um, uh, subtexts running through it. I mean, one of the ones I I love to quote is the idea that does a team. Play better when they when they when they look good. You know, if they get a spanking new kit, do they? Does it really make them? Mm-hmm. Does it up their game when they change the kit supplier? And quite often, you'd see that. You'd see little things. I mean, again, going back to Manchester United, it's the obvious story. A decade with Adidas, won a couple of FA Cups, or, or uh, I think you know, a Cham- uh, couple winners Cup. Changed to Umbro, first season, won the Premier League, first mm-hmm. time for nearly twenty years, or whatever. So it was really interesting seeing. What difference the kit could make, but one thing I, when um, I went into BBC London and I had an interview with Danny Kelly at the time when the first book came out, and he said one thing he loved about them was that it was everything was treated the same. So a team uh, like a home kit that they won the championship in was treated with the same reverence as a third kit that only made one appearance on a Wednesday mm-hmm. night at Tranmere, and and that's that was really fun for me as well. So that everything they wore was important because it's what the team what the team the visual identity of the team and I and I couldn't understand why no one had ever looked into this subject before I did I couldn't when you look at everything to do with a football club every picture of a player they're wearing a kit that represents the identity of the club and why people wouldn't be interested in the development of that kit I couldn't I couldn't get my head around that and, and I'm, I'm sure you know what I mean by
1: that. It just seems illogical, <laughs> yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think oh, we're wait, maybe the me? exceptions. <laughs> yeah, I think we're the exceptions rather than the, than maybe <laughs> the, all the people who don't have the same interest in it. But th- that's fine. I more more for them. The um, when I go through them, so there's there's various ways you could read through these books to to look for similarities. How did you select the teams for the first book then? It was True well, Colours, not True Colours 1, because did you know you were going to write the second one? or
2: No, not at all. I mean, I'll tell you what, what happened was, I, mean, I originally I put together a little leaflet that I, I sort of printed out at home and I got the artist and writer's yearbook and just wrote off to the first 10 publishers. I did it, at the, you know, starting from A, went off like that. And um, two of them came back. ANC Black said, look, we're really interested in doing it, but we'd need approval copyright approval from every single club every single sponsor and every single manufacturer before we'd even consider it so i had to then take a punt that over two years and it took me two years to do it i had to contact every single intellectual property copyright owner and get written permission from them to include the logo in the book Mm -hmm. so that's as well as researching writing finding as many kits as I could. And and it pains me to this day when I see a third kit that I've missed that I didn't know about. And I still find out about them even now. Um, But there was an immense amount of work that went into it. So eventually I could go to the publishers up in Soho and plonk down this folder and say, right, there's all the approvals. And they kind of decided what clubs to do. I had probably double that amount of clubs pretty much finished. And they said, we want to do just the Premier League for this season, which was... Would it have been uh, 2005, 2006, I think? So that was it. Yeah. They decided. Because they, they coming at it from a commercial point of view, they knew that was the, you know, they didn't really want to know what Leeds United or Southampton were wearing because they, were, they weren't in the top flight then, even though I'd already illustrated them. But it was really funny because that mm. season, I had all this work done and... I don't know if you you probably won't remember, it was probably the first Premier League season where I think none of the teams relegated and promoted had been decided on the last day of the season. It went right to the wire. And I was sitting there with the radio on, listening, thinking, who's going to go up? Because it meant if Wigan went up, I had to do Wigan Athletics kits in a couple of weeks, (laughs) whereas I had Crystal Palace's all done and I was hoping they were going to go up. (laughs) And of course, the fates were against me and I had to sort of do Wigan from scratch in two weeks which was which was an absolute nightmare
1: i um, bet i bet you weren't disappointed i bet you were over the moon no no, no. Down.
2: <laughs> oh no i was pretty stressed by that point thing <laughs> i was at breaking point a little bit Joe. i must be honest it was immense pressure um because i've got a nine to five job as well so it was a lot of hours going into it mm. but luckily the guys over at the old oak and crown which is a wigging site they really really helped me out and i couldn't have done it without them so it was, um, it was fantastic, but it was, I, I was so cross when all the, all the wrong clubs went up and all the wrong clubs went down. It meant lots of work, and lots of work wasted, if you like know
1: what I mean. Y- well, uh, illustrated football kits could never be classed as, as wasted time. <laughs> <Sure>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you ought to have a word with my wife. Um, <laughs> but of course what happened was the first book did quite well, and the publisher said, we want to do a volume two. And that was when we could mop up all of these teams that had just slipped from the limelight. Clubs like Leeds, Coventry, Southampton, who are all big teams that had been, you know, in and out of the Premier League, Southampton had been there for years. And we were able to then use that work and and work with them.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so many different points of interest, but one one thing I thought of as a a little test to yourself was to go through both books if you've got both books and mm. try and find as many brazil kits in there as you can now oh. I, I don't know if you've got an idea of how many there are but so many teams over that oh. period had well over the 1980 to let's say what, what, so for the blue books what did what season was did that did that go up to was that 2007 or something was it or um, yeah
2: 2006 2007 because of course the other problem was, was that the, the publishing date, the date it went to the printers, was before the season started, which meant that a lot of the kits hadn't been announced. So yeah. I was on hooks and every day, well, every day, every 10 minutes, I'd be looking on various websites trying to see if, if the new Away kit had come out, because I had to yeah. get that season's kits in the books. And if they weren't released, luckily a couple of clubs did give me a sneak preview. Um, I won't say who they were, but a couple of them did send me CADs and said, "These are the these are the designs for next season," which was which was brilliant. You know, they were really helpful, but it meant that um, yeah, it was quite a nerve a nerve wracking period. So, but again, I made a decision with the publishers to only go back to 1980 because that was really I thought going back to the 70s is a nightmare when it comes to kit research. It was so random and, and illogical, really, in a way that yeah. 1980. Proved a nice starting point. Advertising sponsorship was really, really kicking in, so that made a good, a good point. But, um, but Brazil, yeah, yeah. there's certainly, certainly Crystal Palace. Um, yeah. I think Swindon did, but of course they weren't in the books. But Swindon did as well.
1: Yeah, I think there's, there's a few, few of them in there anyway. But it is, but those th- things like that are great. And the other thing is, I know that there's going to be a few that you've missed because there's so yeah. much work, and, and we're talking ten years ago as well. So the 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 extent to which you could research something oh. ten years ago, because you talk about oh, we'll checking websites to see if the new kits come out, well, that would have been difficult enough as it well. back then. But compared with how it is now, where you've probably seen it in, in well, we've seen a lot of the kits for next season already, and we're in yeah. sort of uh, not even April yet. So, um, it would have been incredibly difficult. But so you you could be forgiven for anything that any sort of small emissions, but <laughs> Well, the, I, yeah, the the interesting for me, the interesting thing for me is, are, are there any kits that crept in that just never existed?
2: Well, you know there is. <laughs> <laughs> I tell, well, there's a yeah, there is. What's what's funny is that. Well, going back to a more positive thing. <laughs> you're right about the lack of research the lack of material because they really i mean one of the classic stories i often tell people you go on ebay now and you search for a shirt you search for i don't know whoever it is liverpool home shirt you'll get about what i don't know nine ten twelve pages worth in those days i could put third shirt in ebay and i'd get three pages or maybe four and that was all there was yeah. and you had to really delve deep and i i put out messages on forums, you know, and got really rude responses from people. Um, but yeah, it was incredibly difficult. And most of the research came either from my own archive that i would kept or spending hundreds of pounds on programmes where you'd you'd buy the programme of the game after the one you were trying to find the kits in and hope that you could see a little black and white picture that you could look at and say, ah, oh, I reckon that was yellow, you know, and work out what they wore. So I got very good at identifying colour tone through black and white images, which is a gift I've not yet figured out how to make money from. But um, that's the research was, was very, very different. If you did it now, because I mean, the publishers actually asked me to do an international version of True Colours. And I said at the time, I don't think I could do it justice. And if I couldn't do it justice, I didn't want to do it. I wanted it to be really good. But of course, now, a few years later, you probably could do an international True Colours with a network of people, shirt collectors you could you could easily do it, you know. So anyway, going back to your question, kits <laughs> aren't in there, the front cover of True Colours, something that horrified me, the Chelsea kit, they only wore that particular kit in pre-season friendlies because it was, I think, they had a new kit the season after, and it was the first time that Chelsea hadn't had a two-season home kit. And of course, a new kit came completely out of the blue, caught me on the hop. So that particular design with Samsung as sponsor, was only worn, I think, pre-season.
1: Yeah, so it was a centenary, I think, wasn't it? So is that the reason?
2: That's right. And of course, as, uh, you know, shirt collector extraordinaire Mm -hmm. Simon Shaky Shakeshaft will always remind me, there's a Wales kit that never existed that I've got in the book as well, mainly because someone had told me that that was the away kit, and of course I had no proof and had to go with it, and it turned out to be complete nonsense, so that's a bit of an embarrassment, but... I think with anything of that scope there's always going to be mistakes it just yeah. that's the nature of the beast.
1: You you're doing it on such a scale that there's there's going to be omissions and there's and I'm I mean I'm over the moon that that's, that those have crept in that there's <laughs> these make believe kits. But that doesn't count. I'm not I'm not letting you have the the Chelsea one because if they actually did wear that and that must be worth a fortune if you could get hold of those. Yeah, so they, was...
2: they they definitely wore it but again it's it's funny, I had to set myself all these little rules with the book. And one of the rules I set myself was it had to be worn in a competitive game. So pre-season friendlies, testimonial games, none of those kits counted. And even if they had the kit in the cupboard and never used it, that had to be counted as well. One of the difficulty, difficulties I had was the Liverpool Hitachi all yellow kit because um, so I don't think they actually wore it with the Hitachi sponsorship but in theory they would have done because Hitachi were the sponsors they had the yellow kit in the cupboard so if they needed to and the game wasn't televised that's what they would have worn so that's how I had to illustrate it so there's all these kind of rules I had pinned up on a board you know that told me what I could do and what I couldn't do
1: the, I mean the attention to detail is fantastic like there's a, <laughs> there's a bo- uh, Sorry, uh, a Blackburn kit from 1984 to 88, and they just they change ever so slightly. But there's three oh. different illustrations for them, so <laughs> yeah. they've like added red cuffs to it. So it's probably the exact same the material, area, wasn't it? yes, it's spool, and they changed the spool logo one season. And the next season, they've got a slightly different spool <laughs> logo. They and then they change the color of the cuffs. But it's essentially the same shirt each season. But you've yeah. got a new I- illustration for each one. That what was well, that the... like to do? That is that soul destroying, or is that is that uh, the best? A...
2: <laughs> Funny enough, as long as you set yourself your rules that you you obey by you can you can do it because again what i didn't want to do is if the sponsor changed i wouldn't i wouldn't draw that shirt again i would put the sponsor in a little box and say well in the following year they wore it with this sponsor and if the badge changed and that's happened on a few of the shirts as well where the badge changed but nothing else did i think my rule at the time was if two major things changed it warranted a new shirt a new illustration so with those um small perspex shirts if you do look I'm hoping there would be something major enough to change. Yeah, for example, on one of them, the Spall logo changed and shadow pinstripes were added to the shorts. There you go. There's yeah. your, two, your two criteria. Yeah. So that was, again, really strict and I had to look at it and think, is there enough going on here
1: um, yeah. to warrant that change? That's that's when the, the OCD kicks in, I suppose, and it's and just, you be- just keeping to that rule,
2: And you can become a little bit fanatical about it because you end up, poring over stuff and thinking how do i do this and things like um chain shorts chain socks for some reason i decided on on illustrating chain shorts but not chain socks and i didn't want to overlay them so they appeared in a little box further down um yeah so but again the formula was really simple though jay it was when it was worn and then a bit of a context about the design and what was going on at the club who wore it and in what games? What big games? And that's what I try to do for everyone. But what what a lot of kit projects do and a lot of kit websites do, and I'm sure you've noticed this as well, is that they fall into the trap of talking about the football and the team. And it's not about that. It's about the shirts. So there's a wonderful little book that came out from Burnley when they had the um, collection of all their shirts. I don't know if you ever saw that a few years ago. And you read the write-ups... And I want to know why they stuck with Spald for most of the eighties, but it's not covered. All they talk about is what was going on at the club. And I'm thinking, I'm not interested. I want to know about the shirt. If this is a book about football shirts, write about the shirts, not the club. Yeah. So that was that was a strict another strict thing I really try to do.
1: You, I mean, it's it is good the way you will actually do that as well. So you'll you'll mention worn in this particular game, and and that for a reader that is that's good to just sort of jog their memory and say oh yeah I remember that one I remember that match I remember where I was and that so so it does tie into that as well but mm. like you say that you're not buying a kit book because you want to hear about the history of a football club you want to hear about the, the history of the suppliers and why like why why did book to go why did Ribeiro come in and then go the next season but the kit looked to, identical it was yeah probably because they went bust in in both cases well so... that's it
2: you have to make what i found is that you have to make a lot of very educated guesses and join dots as mm. to why things have happened because as i'm sure you're aware the kit world is is quite a closed shop in many ways and and you know going back 20 years you try and find anybody that can explain to you the story of uh, influence sportswear and qpr or, or you know birmingham what what happened there it becomes quite difficult so you have to make assumptions it's most of the time fingers crossed i got it right but you know there are hiccups there but i've had to try and use wording that said it, you know it suggests that this may have been the reason behind this mm. because that's all you can do but you have to try and explain it a little bit so i never at any point deliberately put in any uh, mist- mistruths it was always based on you know as much evidence as i could gather
1: yeah and in is it the blue book where you cover uh the international teams which is sort of the home yeah. countries and and ireland or republic of ireland as they're known in football that's
2: well that was I and mean, that was a big deal when um, when the fa approved the book i remember phoning the publishers and they kind of let slip that they weren't expecting the fa to approve it because the mm-hmm. fa don't approve very much and they were really delighted because they thought right this is really going to be a go now because if the FA have backed it then you know that's a it's a good thing
1: yeah the uh the thing i noticed was that in in around 2001 there's a thing with the island shorts so they they have like the the home kit comes out and it's got a pair of shorts that goes with it but then later the away kit comes out and the away kit shorts better match the home kit at, yeah so start with the change <laughs> the change away away shorts with the home kit and it's there's like little paradoxes there so yeah it's it's there's fascinating some really,
2: there's some really odd stuff like that there is and it's there's actually loads of little i wouldn't say secret things there's loads of little bits in there that if i tell you you go all right like for example all the photos that i've used um to start each chapter I chose those and licensed those because I'm a designer as well. I designed the books and actually typeset them. Mm. So all the artwork was mine as well. So the publishers didn't do do anything other than pay for them to be printed and market them. I'm saying that's not all, but you know what I mean. But if you look through those colour pictures, you mentioned earlier that they're all, it's in English, they're all English teams. But it might be interesting just to look and see how many of those players are Scottish and come back to me and tell me what Mm. you find.
1: (laughs) You should tell us that. I might... uh... (laughs) that's that's interesting okay long so enough, there is, long well, long that that, that is something that is something i noticed because there is a person there's definitely your personal preferences running all the way through there will be a case of wonderful shirt and this is a beautiful example and all that so even though it is factual you do put your opinions across and whether you like a shirt you'll tell us
2: i do but one thing i stress very much when i wrote because when i got the approvals for all the the um logos and everything else, I did say it's not going to be a negative book. Because one thing I have a problem with, and this will resonate with you as well, is this worst shirts ever business. You know, it wasn't about that. It was about the about detailing everything. Because you know, it's so easy to just slag everything off with no merit behind it. And I thought this has got to be a celebration of football kit design. So, I was very clear to say there's going to be nothing derogatory and i I chose my words carefully i and and Dennis Hurley often makes you know comment to this. I'd use the word challenging it was a challenging design that <laughs> split opinion, and that's kind of me saying, mm, dear, <laughs> but I was doing it in a positive way that's what the book's about it wasn't about a criticism it was about a celebration
1: the sometimes it goes beyond sort of praise though so for the the manchester united away shirt in 1980 which is the one with the stripes down the side so this is like every all adidas shirts or virtually every adidas shirt, or high profile release of adidas shirts at the minute have these stripes down the sides so all the mm. euro 26 or most of the euro 2016 shirts have got these stripes down the side and that was like the main one that we'd noticed before then um, the only one, i think yeah maybe I'll 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 save that because there is another one that i will bring up later, oh, but okay. there and and maybe even earlier than that actually, but oh. uh, maybe around a similar sort of time. Anyway, so Manchester United that this shirt, a white shirt with uh, with black stripes to other side. Now I I was checking through your books earlier, and it says on your description of this shirt, it says schoolboys across the country switched allegiance on the strength of this innovative outfit. Is that <laughs> actually true?
2: Well, I don't think I've ever. I,
1: <laughs> I was very close
2: to switching to Man United at that point because I loved that ah. shirt so much. <laughs> so that's, and I was what age was I? I was ten. So that okay. was my memory of that shirt because I remember seeing that thinking, "Wow, that's something else." And I really wanted to buy it, but as I was a Liverpool fan, there's no way I could have bought it. But it was it was a definite uh, test for me. It was like a. Being tempted in the desert, you know—that's that kind of <laughs> the temptation. That's, it was that that's kind very of thing. topical. It is, isn't it? <laughs> so, but um yeah, so that was—I mean—that's just—it's funny if you should pick up on that. There's, yeah, it's a little bit of my history in there as well, I guess.
1: Yeah. So, so you've you've taken your own opinion and extrapolated from that, really. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, another thing was what are the Bolton shirts. Now, I wouldn't know this if I saw the shirt. I certainly wouldn't notice it if I. If I saw the shirt from a like a black and white picture, for sure. But if even if it was a colour picture, mm. um, I don't think I'd know this. But there's a Bolton shirt from 1990. Now this is the season where the kits were made by Matchwinner, but they had Reebok as sponsor. Is that right? Oh,
2: lovely shirts, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, good shirts, and also a massive point of interest there to have like a another not at that point, but a company that will become a kit manufacturer mm. as the sponsor. On a, on a football shirt when it, when the kit's actually made by someone else. That's fantastic. But Definitely, this, uh, yeah. The away shirt from that season is a very, very tight blue and white, which is... And it makes the shirt look sky blue. So that is what they should have done with this England shirt that's just been released, isn't it? That's, yeah. You have royal blue or navy blue on the sleeves, and then that should make the sleeves look sky blue if you wanted them to look sky blue. But the inclusion of sky blue... Is yes, ridiculous.
2: Of course, that's a brilliant point. I mean, that's exactly, yeah, that would have been a really good way around it, wouldn't it? They could have said, well, actually, we haven't deviated from the colours. It is royal, uh, navy or royal blue.
1: Um, you mentioned other sort of ideas about kits, so the worst. The worst kits and all this kind of thing. Now, there are other football kit books. One of them is Dave Moore's book, The Worst Mm. Football Kits of All Time. Now, I wonder about this, and I I wonder about the the list that you see on the internet. I think it's maybe that is the acceptable way of talking about football kits. So that has become how you open the door into talking about football kits is you slag them off when really yeah it's just an excuse to talk about kits that you want to talk about what well, do you think there's any weight to that theory
2: there is when you have to kind of accept that's what happens and and you'll see the brown coventry shirt will pop up and you you kind of think oh right okay and and it is it's it, I, I can't be elitist about it that's what people are in people like that and it does it's a great topic isn't it in the pub what about that kit? Oh yeah, what about that one? And that's and that's how it is. And that's if they get some interest in what's good design and what's bad design. And of course, that's all down to opinion anyway, isn't it? But it's um yeah, that is what happens. And of course, Dave Moore is perfectly um, qualified to do that because of the work he does with historical kits. So mm. he did what he needed to do. It was you know it was a light light reading kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's a popular book and it's. <laughs> This is the parallel, I suppose, to the True Colors books, and it's it's like old major and new major, I suppose, in the historical. You, I mean, your website is fantastic as well. Um, it, it fills in gaps and it has um, interesting articles about football kits and that and all that kind of thing. And there are galleries on there as well of, of certain seasons and certain teams, but it's it's fascinating. But in terms of a comprehensive base of of designs on the internet, historical football kits is is uh i suppose it's it has become the go-to place yeah, and it has it's, yeah it's like an equivalent of yours but i i know the people who need to research football kits won't just use historical football kits they will use the true colors books as well because there is a, a depth of knowledge in there as well that that sometimes you won't get from from looking mm. on the internet and, and not just the illustrations I mean the way you illustrate them is fantastic it's probably <laughs> the best way of illustrating them so if if you're going to try and compete with something then it's probably going to be your designs but also the writing as well is is very important and you're explaining why these and it will help you if you're researching something and you see that you've written that the the sponsor changed this season for this reason and mm. then if you're looking for a particular shirt for a particular game then that will help and it is is very, very useful. So no, I appreciate,
2: appreciate that. Thank you. I mean, I think with with Dave's stuff, the work on there is fantastic. My interest really doesn't go much beyond, say, the 60s when it comes to shirts. And, of course, the, the one thing that I did that he, he would never do, he said he can only do it on certain occasions, is include all the change kits. It just mm-hmm. wasn't... Um, he wanted just to focus on home shirts, you know.
1: Uh, so what... Where do you? What does the future hold? There, so we have got these two books that are fantastic, but this we're sort of. I, I didn't actually think of doing it, but we're sort of a tenth a anniversary sort of stage, aren't we? Since they were published. Yeah.
0: So, well, I, hmm. I,
1: I'm not necessarily saying that there has to be a third book, but for a new generation of people who who probably didn't get your books originally, is there mm. an idea of of what they could have in instead of that, or is there? i what would what would be the equivalent now?
2: do you know what I get believe it or not, I still get a lot of people ask me that, and I'm really you know it's the response to the books has been brilliant, mm. and I still get people saying about new books and it is it's brilliant to hear it i mean i I did look very very seriously into self publishing a tenth anniversary edition exactly that um and I wanted to go back to nineteen seventy bring it right back up to date, include maybe double the amount of clubs. Flinging the old goalie shirt, tracksuits, stuff like that, and mm. plans are really underway. But you know, it's not dead in the water. But the problem has always been with this: is getting those clearances, getting those permissions. <laughs> because if you to do it properly, you have to do that if you're making money from something like yeah. that. Yeah, and of
1: course. I think most of the clubs are probably under new ownership, like the Americans exactly. have come in with a whole new team of lawyers and stuff. So anything yeah. that was okay before, well, I don't know. I was going to
2: say, it's, I mean, you talk about the American side, there's, there was a couple of, um, I could write a book about the clearances I had to do for this, I think. <laughs> a couple of times I had to stay up really late to speak to like um, West Coast America. And, um, a couple of the the, uh, the the sponsors, of two sponsors didn't give approval. One was uh, Coors, who again were American owned and said, look, we'd really love to let you use it. But they said the amount of paperwork I'd have to complete. He said, I just can't do it. So that was that. And the other one was Redbus. And they said, you never want any association with Charlton again. <laughs> and and the irony of it was that was the very first phone call, the, the one, the first one I ever made. And they said no. Ooh, <laughs> of course, at that point, I could have just chucked the whole project in the bin. It was, I was that distraught. I, mean, I actually shed a tear. I was. I just thought, oh, no, this isn't going to happen. But in the end, everyone else did. So you just put a little note in and say they refused permission. and yeah. Just dropped the logo off.
1: Yeah, it's a shame. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the book is incomplete now. It's it's. Uh... <laughs> It's worthless in effect. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I suppose the the way around it is is certain books have take pictures. Like Rich from Football Attic has has got kit books where mm-hmm. he takes pictures of the shirts. So and I think that's probably all right because you're not reproducing if you if you're doing it that way. Are you? Yeah. Or...
2: That's there's mixed feelings on that. I'd heard I'd heard one thing because um, obviously a similar book to that is the the magnificent Arsenal shirt. Yeah. Um, but that was very much um, the angle that was taken them. was that because there were photos of the shirt, but there, there are, I still think there's issues involved. And the, the classic story is the Panini um, football sticker, Premier League football sticker story. You, you must know that one, where Panini uh... got sued by the Premier League because they did an unofficial sticker album with Premier League players. And I believe <laughs> the story goes that the head and shoulders shot included the Premier League logo on the sleeve patches... And that was enough for the Premier League to say, Oi, "Oh, hang on." Dear. You know, I think I think Panini claimed incidental use. I think is the phrase, but it's, you know, but I think that is the way kickbooks are going now. It's coming from um, shirt collectors and seeing the shirts in your in your hands and photographing it. And Richie's books are uh, brilliant as well, absolutely mm. brilliant. So, and like the Arsenal shirt, but and and it's coming from people who are. Experts in the clubs in question Mm. because, of course, with true colors, I you know, with all due respect to Bolton Wanderers, I didn't know much about their history, so I had to kind of immerse myself for each club in what their ups and downs were and then try and pin that to a shirt and sort of figure out what was the correlation between them, if there was any.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, there's I think there's some Italian there's there's a lot of books now that there's several Italian ones. Oh, yeah. books that focus on italian football club shirts so there's a roma one and there's a milan one and these there is a there's a huge interest i think now in in old football kits and yeah but the illustration you you are sort of the daddy in that i think certainly when it comes to publishing (laughs) books there's there's not one that even comes close to yours actually after all that the the first book is out of print is it
2: yeah the first book is out of print so you can pick up copies. I think on Amazon. I think they're on Amazon for a penny still. I think you can get them from <laughs> there, uh, which is I think is well worth it for a penny. But um, <laughs> yeah. and there was a nice double box set as well of both of them in a you know a, a real heavy duty slip case, and I believe that's quite rare. I don't think there's mm. many of them floating around. So
1: it's, it's not what I've got. I haven't got that. I've got um I've got them separately. The, oh. so, but but the blue one you can still get from the original because I think um, they've they've got it in stock I think I think I checked oh, it the they? other day yeah well,
2: so. Black are owned by Bloomsbury so they they've yeah. always been part of Bloomsbury group so they might still do it yeah they might still have it on their website yeah,
1: you, you can you can get it from there so um, mm. yeah so both books still available and my favorite books and well not their uh, favorite books I don't know that's maybe <laughs> I probably <laughs> I probably refer to those books more than any other books that i've got so yeah they probably are but that's i'm not sure as good as they are i don't think <laughs> that should be the height of my sort of literary knowledge although <laughs> that's... it's very kind of you
2: to, yeah it's it's very kind of you to say it i would i would be disappointed if they were your favorite books i think there <laughs> must be other <laughs> classic literature they ain't i know that much but <laughs> there
1: you go well, you, well they are to me john they are. Me. <laughs> good thank you uh,
0: are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month give it a try at slash switch
2: $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees Promoting for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full turns at mintmobile.com
1: okay so other things that are, are going on in the the kit world at the minute uh johan cruyff died yeah is, that was that was uh he said he was two nil up on cancer, oh. so kind of tuned out of it as you would do when when a team goes two nil up in a match, and yeah. and then you have that happen. So, yeah, that was horrendous. But it's it 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 does make you think of think back to his his career because a fantastic footballer. But also, I suppose it's it sounds flippant, but he wore some fantastic kits, didn't he? Yeah, and of course,
2: the Johan Cruyff Adidas Puma saga is one of the classic um, kick stories, isn't it? Ever, really. And I'm sure I'm sure, we should, I'm sure people will know it, but of course it's the um, 74 World Cup, where he was sponsored personally by Puma, but Holland wore Adidas shirts and he customised the shirt because he didn't want to upset his sponsors and removed one of the three stripes, which is just both rebellious and... Uh, Kind of commercially aware at the same time, which is which is yeah. great,
1: you know. It's it's ahead of its time, and it's it's things we've talked about before. Where I, I wrote a thing about uh, football kit mavericks just the other day, and Maradona oh, okay. wore um wore Napoli socks in the Italian ninety oh. quarter final against uh, Yugoslavia. So th- there's various things that like that that have happened, but oh, Johan didn't... Cruyff is 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 a major one.
2: Didn't um oh. If I remember correctly, didn't John Toshack Swansea play Liverpool? I think the first home game after Bill Shankly died, and he wore a Liverpool shirt under his Swansea shirt. Is that not true? Have you heard that one?
1: Oh, okay. Well, that is that is something that should have been included in, oh. in my blog article, but I didn't include it. So yeah, that, have that, a Google of that. Yeah, I'll definitely have a look at that. Yeah. So so things like that, and and Johan Cruyff was a a prime example of of that kind of thing because he 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 did his own thing, whether it was at the behest of Puma or not, I don't know. But it it doesn't sound like something that he would be have have his arm twisted to do by uh uh like whoever made his boots. It was something that he would have done. Um I think it it came
2: from loyalty, didn't it? I think he was just um probably knew what side his, his bread was buttered, but I think it came from loyalty to his personal sponsor. Um but it, I just I just love stories like that because you think Imagine if that happened today, what the uproar would be. It's like, it's like um, Vinny Jones cutting off his uh, when Chelsea uh, when he was playing for Chelsea and the long shorts were introduced by Umbro. He cut off about three inches off the bottom of his shorts. He preferred to wear them at the smaller smaller size.
1: Well, Vinny Jones did that, did he? Yeah,
2: I've never oh. found a picture of it, but I distinctly remember seeing him on Match of the Day and he just chopped the bottom of his shorts off and oh. trimmed them right down.
1: Stuart Pierce did it. Oh, did he? yeah stuart oh, pierce. There's, and there's pictures of stuart pierce doing it yeah uh well not not him actually cutting them that would be a great picture <laughs> <That> <laughs> like a, good, a dressing yeah. room shot of him doing it but just back on cruyff again mm. the i mean great player but he we steered clear when well, we did that 50 greatest football shirts ever we steered clear of all the I- iconic shirts but yeah. we we do like them still, even though we don't necessarily think that they're design masterpieces because it's just it's probably through evolution that it's got there. It's, the teams that he played for, and there's been some great players that have played for teams with shoddy kits, and he he played for for teams with brilliant kits to play for Ajax, Barcelona. Oh. I think he wore. A, I'm pretty sure he would have worn a a white Barcelona shirt at one stage as well. I think that oh, when he was really? playing for Barcelona, they were still wearing white with. Um, maybe with a sash in blue and red, maybe, but he certainly wore didn't... the yellow with a blue and red sash. I was gonna say the yellow one, yeah, yeah um and and fire Nord he played for as well, and paris saint germain he played for a played a couple of games for Paris Saint germain, which I was going to say i didn 't know that mm-hmm. i didn't know he played for those, but another iconic kit, um Lecoq sportif shirt he wore for them, so
2: yeah, And, of course, there's something about Cruyff and his, his style and his look that perfectly suited those 70s kits as well, didn't it? I mean, it was, yeah. you know, it just, it's a perfect, it's like, it's like Chris Waddle in the 80s. It was, you know, him in the 70s, you know, perfect style for it.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. He looked really cool. And if you put him in a, in a good kit, then he looks even better. And he, he always wore good kits. So that was perfect. <laughs>
2: And do you think as well, Jay, that was, was he one of the first players that really his shirt number became his brand as well? Because yeah. he's so renowned for fourteen, Was he one of the first with that, do you think?
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's not really a squad numbers thing, is it? It's, he, he was injured for a while, I think. And when he got back into the team, someone had taken over. He was wearing number nine, I think, for Ajax. And when he got back into the team, he just said to the guy, no, you carry a wearing nine, I'll, I'll wear 14. <laughs> and, um, oh, okay. and and then that became like a starting a starting start one to 11 number was like 14. So someone would have missed out and in, and you would have had a 14 in the starting lineup from that point onwards with him. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's like he's like proto squad numbers from Johan Cruyff, which is yeah. great as well. And it's, it just shows the sort of, character of the guy that just did his own thing which was great the what i was alluded to earlier um he went to america later in his career played in the nasl and there's a picture of him you can google this There's a picture of him with uh george best and george best is playing for san jose earthquakes i think Mm. and uh they've got that stripes down the side thing so i'm not sure Uh, what season it was okay was, was, what, was he with New York Cosmos? Is that right? He played for New York Cosmos. I think he may, may have played for LA something. LA Aztecs maybe as well. Oh, that rings a bell. I think he played yeah. for more than one team in America. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, if you want to look at good pictures of of football kits and football players and just combine the whole thing, you've got George Best and Johan Cruyff in, in American football kits and they were like ahead of their ahead of the time back then and not yeah. necessarily in a good way but with all different numbers and names on the shirt and all that kind of thing the way then... it, well, which is something that we ended up just doing anyway whether people are for it or against it so to have a picture of the two of them in those sorts of kits and thinking how great those two it's great. were, and,
2: it, and it's interesting as well it, it, again it just goes to show how eras of kits become so, uh, synonymous with that with the time, and you sling in a player from a previous decade, and it, it jars. And it's, it's there was a great thing, I think, where um England played Germany in the 80s, and they wore I think England were wearing the current Umbro shirt, I think, and they used 66 World Cup team wearing the current Umbro cap. Mm. I'm sure it was that, and of course, it looks so odd because mm. you've seen all these old men wearing current Umbro, and it's, it's just fascinating seeing the different clashes of uh decades there, isn't it? Historical mm. stuff.
1: But very very strange. Um, okay, so yeah, so Johan Cruyff, incredibly sad. I'm I'm just watching as we talk. I'm I'm not paying attention to it, but I've got it on in the background. There's the England against uh, the Netherlands, and okay. the Netherlands have got over the Nike swoosh. They uh, they've got a number fourteen just above it as a tribute oh, to, to Cruyff. Yeah, uh, yeah you, know, you know, Joe. That's,
2: that's something that has come up in recent years that i've i've been pleased to see because again it it backs up my ideas of how powerful the football shirt is when things like that happen when it can become a real um symbol and and commemorative thing can't it you know when they retire a shirt number and they have they've had the players names on the back and stuff like that i think they're really the football shirt has become such a powerful symbol now which is why it's got to be treated properly i think
0: (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, which brings us on to uh, the England kit that I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at right now. Um, You're making that link, not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, so a couple of things have happened since we, we talked about it last week. We we said that we were all for or against it. Well, I, I've gone into sports shops since then, and I went into three sports shops. I went into mm. JD Sports, uh, DW Sports, which is what JJB is now. Really? And uh, what's a sports Direct, the Mike Ashley one? And it's shocking, I mean, it's so bad. The stadium version of that England shirt is so basic, really. What in what way? What, did what you it, all the things that we were talked about last week? So, we we talked about the the weaves and all that, and none of that's included in the stadium shirt. Uh, we oh, we talked okay. about it so. They say the sleeves are like knitted, and it, that's you've got these threads of sky blue. No, you haven't. You, it's just a normal Nike basic shirt with a sublimated design. So to the extent that if you turn the the sleeve inside out, you can barely see it. You just show it. You see it showing through, the same as any really? sublimated print.
2: Yeah, so that's that, really, that, really shocking. That detail on the cuff that didn't that hasn't come across on the stadium version.
1: No, they haven't. Just haven't bothered putting it on there. So if you right. can't pop the cuffs. Where well, you can pop the cuffs, but there's nothing there when you pop the cuffs. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. So all this marketing stuff about this is what the shirt is—that's the players' version, which you could buy is a hundred pound. Yeah. But yeah. the the England bit on the back of the neck—that's like a heat transfer, like basically applied heat transfer. The right. the crest is like there's <laughs> completely soulless, like right. it's, it's very very <laughs> intricate, but the same way as a, a computer is very complex. It's like <laughs> just make it the way Umbro made it in two thousand and nine, where it was where it had depth, it was essentially yeah. three dimensional. It was nicely embroidered. I don't I don't understand why they don't do that. Has it Certainly got the, on the replica version?
2: Did you see how the blue stripes down the side work? Do they kind of split open with flashes
1: yeah. Does that how that So so that bit is true. Yeah. Except you can sort of see it anyway. So if you look okay. at it you can see the red if you look closely and then if you stretch it, then you don't need to look quite as closely. You can Okay the red is there, but it's not never going to be the case. The only way it would be the case, especially with that version of the shirt, which is cut that way, is mm. if say you're playing football in it, someone pulls it. It's not going to mm. be as you twist and turn as a footballer, which or if I think you put is on a the size, game.
2: or if you put on a size a couple of sizes too small, it might reveal itself as well. But, you know. <laughs> well, maybe it <more> will <laughs> continually,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's
2: yeah. Did they have the stadium shirt in the shop as well? Was it just um the player spec
1: shirt in there No, as that's well? the other thing. No, I didn't see it. So you might be able to get it and I'm sure you could get it in Nike Town in London. Mm. But I don't I don't think it's it's certainly not obvious that it's not on a rack that as far as I saw, it was just the it was mm. just the stadium version of it. But I don't understand what the thinking behind that is. So there's a really cheaply made version that they're selling for sixty quid. Yeah. But then there's a £100 one which has all this technology in it. You'd think that the, they would be pushing that one more because it's a better product. And that would be the reason why you would make the £60 one far inferior because then mm. people would look at it and go, I'm not paying £60 for that. I might as well pay £100 for the proper one. But then but you think, can't get hold yeah. of the proper one. <laughs> so uh, I also don't know what I, I think, think it
2: is. If the uh, the Daily Mail Brigade got hold of the you know, the 90 the 100 quid shirt being the... Um, the standard one, they'd, mm. they'd be uproar. I mean, they'd, they'd have a field day. So yeah. I think they have to uh, keep those, those limits in place with costs. But that's in, it's a bit disappointing to hear that, though, because, I mean, I still feel potentially it's a, it's a good-looking kit. I think it, as, as we said in detail last time, it raises all sorts of other questions, but it's a shame it's not been done justice on that replica version.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it now like they're playing in it and the, the sleeves are so faint that it is basically a white shirt. It doesn't you don't really see that it's got oh, okay. blue sleeves. The other thing is that and I'll I'll always go back to this, but the base layer thing so they wear Yeah the, in the away they wore the Away kit against Germany and <laughs> Germany wore their away kit as well, but we won't get into that. Oh um, don't get me started on that. The they wore red base layers with it, so they're not the base layers don't even match. No the sh- the shirt. They're wearing white base layers today, which Beyond not matching the sleeves is actually breaching the regulations on base layers because they're meant to be the same same colour as the sleeves, or or it's meant to replicate what the shirt would look like in long sleeves. But no one's wearing it in long sleeves today. I just don't no. understand anything. We listened to all this talk about this is what the shirts going to be. They're not even meant to be wearing base layers based on the no. based on the, all the marketing. They shouldn't ever need to wear a base layer anymore. The the new weave should deal with everything that they should need dealing with so i don't it does not make any sense to me the socks as well so the socks are red okay mm. so you've made a decision to make the socks red but they've got these blue lines on the back and that looks purple so you're you adding in okay. another because you've got blue lines on the red you've now got purple on the back of the the england socks so that looks weird i don't understand any of that it's 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 a load of ideas and somehow it's come to fruition and
2: it's a very it is a very puzzling it it, as i said before it raises so many questions it's it's a very puzzling kit in a way but but you know in some respects maybe that is a long in the long term maybe that's a good thing because i mean maybe it will change stuff for the better maybe it change it for the worse but it certainly annoyed a lot of people there's very few positive comments about the kit um and it's interesting that they've 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 actually had that you know given it, it's it been given the green light really when you when you look at that isn't it? But,
1: yeah, I I don't know. I'm I I'd really love to like it, but I I don't know what I'm liking because I, I sometimes wonder that someone's watching me like a Truman Show thing and and they're testing me to say is he is he going <laughs> to say he likes this because then we can just laugh at him because. It's it's a massive conspiracy and it's all just to, to ridicule people who actually say that it's a good kit because it's... I don't know. I the the thing about the FA, so you, you say that the FA have allowed it to happen mm. and I saw something the other day. If you go onto the Nike website and look for Brazil shorts, there are two pairs of shorts. There's a, a yellow pair of shorts that perfectly fit with the new home shirt. So they're yellow shorts with a green stripe down the side. Now, this is a joke thing that people did before the last World Cup where everyone was going for the one-colour kits and everyone laughed Mm -hmm. and said, well, Brazil clearly aren't going to do that. So someone put it on Design Football, like a version of it with a yellow shirt and yellow shorts and yellow socks as well, I think. So we said, oh yeah, that will never happen. Now, I'm pretty sure that Nike wanted to do that and it's been vetoed by the cbf or whatever the the brazilian fa is because these shorts on the nike website these yellow shorts go perfectly with the home shirt there's also a pair of blue shorts on there which i think they call them home slash away shorts or something now they're the ones that brazil launched the kit with but they don't seem to go with a home shirt at all but they combine them with that which is the standard look yellow Mm. shirt blue shorts and white socks but these blue shorts do look like they go perfectly with the away shirt. And the away shirt is blue and you'd expect the new thing to be the shirt and the shorts to be the same colour, which is what Nike are doing with all the teams at the minute. Mm. So they look the blue shorts look like the away shorts, the yellow shorts look like they should be the home shorts if it wasn't Brazil. But knowing what colours Brazil wear, mm. then, I don't know. It 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 <laughs> seems like someone's put their foot down and, go, uh, and gone, no, we're not going to wear yellow shorts. We, we're Brazil, we wear blue shorts yeah. because otherwise the kit doesn't seem to fit.
2: That's It's interesting you should say that because really it's it's showing the perversity of the kit designers by, by playing with these colours in a way. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes, Jay, I wonder if we're over-analyzing too much as well. Oh. I wonder if all these things really did go on all the time, but only now because every detail of a design is pulled apart by people like us i wonder if we are maybe looking in too much but but clearly it means a lot to a lot of supporters doesn't it
1: well somebody's got to yeah, well, that's true it, <laughs> it might as well be us yeah it, it people should be doing it so we're doing the job that maybe isn't being done elsewhere i don't know if if it sells and maybe it's just maybe it's to get the brand talked about maybe they don't care about kit sales so Possibly. maybe they yeah. care about column inches and the Daily Mail saying how the England kit is terrible. They they write Nike fifteen times in a in an article and that's a great thing and and that means loads of people will go out and buy other Nike products so they don't even need the, the football kits to sell. I don't know what the strategy is, but that's interesting.
2: Yeah,
1: There all there obviously have to be focus groups, but it's the same with it when Warrior released the Liverpool kits. Oh, yeah, you just think. Who did you speak to? who said that yeah. was, that would be okay if you went down that road it would be okay
2: same thing with England one what what you know how do these things how do you get past the FA and convince them that this is the way forward They've I got to have,
1: mm. I think uh, from what Jason Lee said when I spoke to him on this podcast, once you paid your money, you do what you like and that really? yeah i th- I think there might be some sort of I don't know, when you're paying as much as Nike are paying for the for the FA contract, mm. I think maybe the FA would be scared <laughs> to actually say, oh, could you not do that? Or we'll, we'll not make any of your kits in, in future if you don't want us to. <laughs> no, 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 we want you to make the yeah. kits, we want you to make the kits. Oh, I,
2: I think um, clearly Nike will have complete belief in what they're doing. And I'm sure that's a very, very strong argument. I am. I'll try and find out what that is. But um, they must have com- complete belief in this, so it will be interesting to see. And again, when we see the tournament in the summer, that's when we'll see it pan out and we'll we'll work out how good or bad they really are. I guess
1: evolution's not a terrible thing, not at all, no. But I don't. If there's not a rhyme or reason to it, it does to me.
2: You know, to lead back a little bit to to the my my the true my true colours books. If you look at the evolution of the England kit, especially in the um, the, 19, the 90s under Umbro, There's some designs didn't work as well as others, but there was a real evolution. You could see the common themes, the, the tradition, the heritage was there, but they still did some really good things with it. And I look back, I was doing some work for a client the other day on the England kits, and I thought, look at that, there were some real crackers there that I'd kind of underestimated at the time. But you re- you realise how clever they were. And I just think sometimes with modern kit design, they're not quite getting that... Is zeitgeist the right word you know they're not getting that kind of vibe they're um they're maybe wrapped up too much in themselves i don't know i don't know jane
1: i don't know how relevant I am, so maybe this is the zeitgeist that I'm just completely unaware of it but that that wouldn't be a ridiculous notion but i don't know yeah. interesting i don't there's so there's been so many articles about it, and more than I there's always uh, a backlash whenever a kit's released. There's something wrong with it. So th- there was some of them were stupid, like the the first Nike kit looked like a Germany kit. No, it didn't. <laughs> yeah, it, right. it didn't look like a Germany kit at all. It was j- just looked like an England kit and a style of England kit we hadn't, probably hadn't seen before. But and it was um, a good kit, I thought. It yeah, was fine, it was, you know. It was alright, but <laughs> there, there'll be a backlash. But this one seems bigger than usual, and yeah. you can see the reasoning and when the product is dodgy that's where you have a problem when you you don't see the the effort the same level of effort has gone into the to the product that you sell into people that's a shame that's that's the england kits done then i i don't <laughs> i don't want to talk about them anymore i think
2: no. <laughs> let's leave it
1: no we we we'll try and avoid talking about them uh i do want to talk about base layers again and i'm i'm just going to list this very quickly uh, The France kit is the one with the alternate sleeves. A player wore a long... uh, Antoine Griezmann wore a long-sleeve shirt, so he had alternate sleeves. Uh, I I don't think there was a single France player that wore base layers because there isn't a base layer with alternate sleeves, it looks like. So I I don't understand what's going on there. Uh, England don't have alternate sleeves and plenty of players wear base layers. That just seems ridiculous to me. Why certain... Mm people with a certain kit could wear base layers and, and other teams with another sort of kit can't wear a base layer because they've done this alternate sleeve thing but they haven't provided alternate sleeve base layers. That seems Do the only think... reason to me. Mm. <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> it's just so depressing because I was so looking forward <laughs> to it and it hasn't happened. Oh, and never mind. Just... It, it I, I, I feel all round like I'm being shortchanged. I'm being shortchanged by the industry. Mm.
2: Just seeing it, just... As we're talking, the England-Netherlands game's just finished, so it's a defeat for the for the shirt and its first outing.
1: <laughs> yes, it is, in more ways than one. <laughs> there you go. Mm. Okay, so that is uh, that has been fun talking about your books. Um, sort of interested in talking about Johan Cruyff and depressed in talking about the, the England game. <laughs> Well, thank- yes. I mean, well, thanks. I mean, thanks <laughs> for letting no, me. I'm come more on. depressed about the England kit than Johan Cruyff dying. That's terrible. isn't it? It's <laughs> is bad. You've got to look at bad.
2: yourself there. No, thanks for letting yeah. me come. I mean, it's, it's, it's. I always like sort of telling the story of the books, and it's, it's. Um, thanks for giving me the opportunity to sort of talk a bit about it.
1: No uh, pleasure, and thank you for coming on. Uh, a couple of things to talk about. Dennis Hurley's written a fantastic article about templates, and particularly oh, okay. the Adidas templates. In the 1994 World Cup, USA 94. Um, So that's a really fascinating read. You can read that at museumofjerseys.com. So that's the evolution of
2: the Adidas equipment templates, isn't it? Yeah, so it's the second
1: phase of those ones where the they came up from the hips. Let's say the the, the Adidas stripes came up from. um, Yeah, so all the kits that that had that design in the 94 World Cup. um, That'd be worth a read, I think. Yeah he's uh he sums up the idea of templates very well as well he's uh yeah he's a knowledgeable man
2: he is very much so
1: okay uh it's it's interesting oh, i'm going to tell shall i I'll, I'll give you a sneak preview um romania in that world cup wore a red away kit and yes they they had stripes on the shirt and shorts which were i think they had two the outer two were yellow and then the middle one was blue but then like... the socks the hoops on the socks were the other way around so it had like two oh. blue hoops and a yellow hoop so we always thought oh yeah they messed up the socks for that it turns out now that the replica versions of that romania kit had it the other way around as well they had i think it's two on the shirt and shorts they had it the other way around so the same as the socks that they wore in the tournament so oh. well, what where do these things come from how does that happen what, where is yeah. the mistake? We'll never know. But and it's like,
2: how serious is the mistake? And the answer is not really. But it's still interesting that it happened.
1: It's terrible, though, isn't it? I mean, yeah, <laughs> isn't it? Aren't you? It doesn't it pain you that that something as something as awful as that has happened? Such a big decision, and they've got it wrong. I don't know. It is. I
2: mean, I think it's. Uh, yes, it does, Jay. It's nearly yeah. ten o'clock, so I'm just going to say yes. It is. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, okay yeah all right well that's been great uh designfootball.com on facebook as usual uh design football on twitter if you want to message us or follow us or whatever uh i'm j29ers john is true colors kits on twitter true colors football that's the website fantastic that's stuff it. there
2: drop us a drop us a line if you ever want to, if anyone wants to ever want to talk kits or ask me anything i'm always happy to do it so
1: be great. Yeah, um I'll I'll be doing that very soon, John. That uh, <laughs> oh I'm just going to continue this all through the night. <laughs> you think no. you, you were saved when the when the podcast <laughs> ended, but no. I'm just going to tweet you all night. Thank you, Jay. Okay. Well, thanks very much, John, and I'll speak great to pleasure. you again soon. Brilliant. Cheers. Bye-bye.